Hello and welcome to episode 433 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan and I know, I know, everyone wants to bet sports. They want to bet sports. I want to bet sports, Adam. Everyone wants to fire up the DraftKings or the FanDuel or the Caesars app and just blast. And I get it. Uh, it's fun to bet on sports. It's really easy to just fire off on something, but it's not in my nature. I physically can't do it. I can't bet negative EV stuff and therefore... I don't bet sides and totals. I do, however, bet props because I like money and I like winning. And we know we are really, really likely to win in props, which we'll explain here today. For today's show, I'm joined by two young men who are elbow deep in projections every day and firing at props, part of our team working on the props product. It is Mike Leone and Mark Dankenbring. Leone, how's it going? It's going well. Already, you know, full in prop season as some are getting released for week one. So it's been exciting. I don't know how productive it is for the rest of my work to just be running running props all day, but uh, that's that's the work to, you're getting out of me right now, Adam. It's the best. Mark, how's it going? Going great. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm waking up, you know, early now just to make sure I don't don't miss anything. <laughs> We're firing off and uh, added a new plant to the studio this year in case you know Evan yells at me to go touch some grass or dirt. I just can just reach right behind and, and touch it. I don't even have to go outside. <laughs> Just eat it. Okay. Before we get into it here today, important announcement for anyone who has not seen it yet. Our in-season player prop subscription is live on the site. I want to be clear. This is separate from our fantasy subscription this season. There's been so many people asking about this, and I get it. Everyone saw our record the last few years. We're really, really likely to beat the books up on this, but it really is a niche product, and you'll want to read the full details yourself to see if it makes sense for you. So head to the site. Find the FAQ article in the props drop down and read it very closely. Also, note this, prog- note this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They have this ridiculous $2 million first, $1 million, $1 million second place fantasy tournament running right now. Still spots available, $25 buy-in. Really is the best way to put all the knowledge you've accumulated over this summer to use. If you use promo code ETR when you sign up, they will match your first deposit up to $100. It's really an unbelievable contest. And they also have pick stuff during the season, which is kind of like props. And then we can hit that as well once the season gets here. All right, let's get into it here, boys. So we, we had this you know, ridiculous record last year, 216 and 118, just an absurd 64.6% win rate. Now, people are saying, oh, well, uh, how do you do that? What, why can we be props? You know, to me, it's not even props. It's that our projections... And our projections team is so good that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to overlay our projections against the prop lines and start winning. Now, it's not that simple. There's a lot more to it, but that's the gist of it. The other thing that I would say about beating them up is that they're not like people make fun of the books for how bad they are posting lines or whatever. They're really not like they're posting hundreds, sometimes thousands of props in a week. And we're picking off 10, 15, 20 30 of them. I mean, that it's really hard to do to do what they're trying to do post line for every single player, backups, third wide receivers, et cetera. So, anyways, Leone, projections versus lines seems really simple. Is that how you think about props? Or do you want to go deeper? Yeah. So projections versus lines, it's it's not that we're look, necessarily even looking at a line and then figuring out that player projects less. We're doing our projections, you know. Uh, separate from the from the line so that we're not biased by what the prop line is. Now, sometimes seeing the prop line will have us double check because we want to make sure, okay, we're showing a big under here. 
are, are we correct in our inputs, uh, our team play calling, uh, our target share of the player? And we'll double check that way, but it works out really well where once we do that double check, we can feel pretty confident and trying to, you know, just think through some of the distribution stuff as well, which we'll get into later. Yeah. And a big part of this is like, we're a fantasy football company, right? Like when we started ETR, there was no way I thought that we'd ever be betting props like this, but we take our projections so seriously. You can listen to more on that episode 431. We just have a big edge there. And like, even if props aren't for you, like, I feel like uh, winning on props just shows that like our projection, this quantitative approach that we take, we actually go out and prove it that we can win. The one thing I would say about doing projections, I know Mark is super involved on the inputs on um, the usage side. I mean, like we're looking at stuff such as Devontae Parker's over under receiving line. And then what goes into that is, well, how much do we think Devontae Parker is going to see target share versus Jacoby Myers target share? So it all kind of goes together. I think the volume checks are good when we look at props. Mark, what do you think about doing volume and how it relates to props? Yeah, I think essentially just our goals at ETR are different than the sports book. And that's why we're profitable in props because we're focusing strictly on the player level. And, you know, we've been tra tracking camp reports on New England and trying to figure out the pecking order of the wide receivers between Devontae Parker, who's a new addition this offseason with guys like Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, who were there last year and are kind of, you know, more entrenched already in the offense. So it's just trying to sift through all the news and uh, we have a great team here you know there's there's a lot of people giving input which which really helps and kind of removes any personal bias or um, you know I, I think it's just um, you know again our goals and, and the information we're looking for is more at the micro level and player level more so than at the team level uh, so you know I think that really gives us a leg up and then just having multiple people scour you know for information all off season that this has been you know the culmination of a lot of work that this whole season I think Leonie and myself did, you know, our initial team projections back in March or April on the on these teams. So it's, it's been a long time coming of tweaking and and looking at information and and refining our takes, you know, to get to this point. Um, well, while we're on the subject of projections versus prop lines, I think we should have a quick conversation on mean versus median. I hope anyone who bets props understands this, but there's a big difference between mean, average, and median. I.e., was the number in the middle of a set of numbers. So. I probably didn't do a great job explaining that, Leone, but how do you think about mean versus median and how it uh, relates to props? Yeah, the mean is if you were to take, you know, play a game a thousand times, how many yards would, you know, Brandon Ayuk average those thousand times? It would just be a straight average. The median would be what did he do half the time? You know, if you, you found the midpoint and you found out what yards that was, that's the median. And it generally runs under the mean, especially for players that aren't as high volume. So someone who projects for an average of 40 receiving yards, for example, their median is going to be much lower than their mean. So more times than not, we would expect them to have less than 40 yards. Think of someone like Marquez Valdez-Scantling last year. You know, he might have averaged, I don't know, you know, 40 yards a game, but if he has one 60-yard catch in a game, all of a sudden he's over that mean. So he's going to have you know, two other games where he's at 30 and 30 and not quite get there. And that's really important. It's something that the books have started to adjust to, but so many people in the fantasy industry use mean projections that 
they start comparing the prop line directly to a mean projection. And as a result, sometimes you can fall into some traps if you're not thinking through the distribution of the players. And we look at different things for players as well. You know, average depth of target guys with lower a dots are going to have a, you know, a higher median relative to their mean versus guys that have really high a dots is going to be a bit more variant and a bit more volatile. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's really important to understand that our projections and Leone can comment again here, our projections are mean. And so if we're showing a projection versus a line that is close on mean, chances are the median is going to be way lower. Now, as Leone said, that's not the case for everyone. Jarvis Landry's median runs close to his mean, I suspect. But as Leone said, someone like T.Y. Hilton uh, or Deshaun Jackson or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, their mean and median are going to be way, way, way different. So I think understanding that is really important. And again, Leone, our projections come through as mean, correct? Yes, they're a mean projection. I will note on some of the really high volume players, it becomes a bit tighter as well. If you just think through basically the room to be different than the mean, again, like using a 30 yard example, if someone has a mean of 30, I mean, that player could have 150 yards in a game. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility with a couple big plays. And then they're 120 off their mean on the high side. Whereas if, whereas they have no, they can only go 30 yards under their mean at a zero at 30. There's only so much room. So if you start to think how the averages work, whereas if a guy averages a hundred yards a game, that dynamic starts to become closer to a normal distribution where he's going to have some games at 160 yards, might have some games at like 40 yards. So uh, it becomes a little bit tighter there at the very high end. Okay. Before we move on, I, I, I'm sure some people are wondering, well, if you guys are beating them up so bad on props, I'm sure there's a lot of other people beating them up out there on props. Why are the books even offer this? And like my short answer is they have to. I mean, if you read this David Purdom article, maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, I tweeted it. I'm sure you can find it, David Purdom. Uh, the gambling writer for ESPN, he basically wrote a whole article about how the books are like overwhelmed with interest in props. And if you're not offering props as a book, you're just not going to get customers. So they have to. Do they have to offer lines on third and fourth wide receivers? I don't think they have to, but they're in competition with each other to do so. And also, I think it's almost like a, a marketing expense or a lost leader if people beat them up on props because they just assume everybody is going to get in there and blast on sides and totals and lose that way. I also think that generally, probably most people still lose on props, even though we think that it's soft for the same reasons they lose on everything else. They're not disciplined. They're not using a uh, quantitative approach, et cetera. So yeah, and also, you know, I should add that limits on props are small. Even if you have a clean account, I mean, you're not gonna be able to bet a ton on props. I guess it depends what a ton is for you relatively, but you're not gonna be able to go out there and bet $2,000 on props at a time, even with a clean account. And so, um, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's not, it's not a huge risk to them, I guess is what I'm trying to I'd say. I'd also say there's heightened demand for it now too, with kind of the younger generation coming up with fantasy sports, you know, constructing how they view sports and much more at the player level rather than just at the team level in general. Um, you know, Purdom in that article mentioned it's, it's a lot of uh, people in their 20s and 30s that are driving the the volume and props, which makes a lot of sense, just tying, again, to, to fantasy and player-level stuff, you know. Uh, and it's a simpler bet, just betting on one player to go over their receiving yards rather than uh, betting on a full game. So uh, I was definitely worried that, you know, us and, and just in general, the props market, uh, the success of professionals would would kind of make books, take down the menus and, and not offer much. But I think, you know, it at least this article sounds like, you know, pretty bullish on it continuing in the future, which is great. Yeah, for sure. Props for life. Uh, okay. 
if you follow us, and specifically if you follow me, you'll see that we mostly bet unders. Now, I don't want to go too, too far into this, but there's just so many ways that unders get there versus overs in a football game. I can think of about six off the top of my head why <laughs> unders are better than overs. We already mentioned one, the mean median thing. I will say that end of last year, and I think to some degree this year already, and by the way, we've already taken 9, 10, 11 props so far for week one. I think books are doing a better job of pricing things lower, but we need to keep them honest. And we have been keeping them honest by taking overs. If they adjust too much, we have to be willing to take some overs. So Mark, I know you were tracking all our data last year. Why are we so much more successful on unders? Or maybe not even that. Maybe maybe it's it's why do we why are unders generally speaking so much better? Yeah, I think it's just the the way sports, you know, contests play out. Um, as you mentioned, kind of a lot of outs to get into the under, whether that's injury, um, you know, game script, I think is is probably the biggest factor. And that can be influenced by a lot of things. Uh, you know, if a team is blowing someone out, then that's going to uh, typically lead to more rushing attempts. And, um, you know, if, if a team scores a defensive touchdown, then that removes an offensive, uh, you know, uh, that removes an offensive uh, possession from that team, which just inherently, you know, lowers the the projected output for their receiving yards or rushing yards or things along those lines. So, you know, there's just a lot of ways possessions can get changed in the NFL. Uh, and when we're betting on pure volume that, uh, you know, needs to pretty much get there over the course of a game, just so many things can happen. Injuries uh, can can take effect. Uh, wide receiver distribution, as you were mentioning with New England, maybe Kendrick Bourne, you know, is the wide receiver two or three over Aguilar and Devontae Parker, and we just don't know that. So betting the under on Parker, you know, kind of turns out in our favor just because we're, we, we were, you know, had the wrong projection on, um, you know, the New England wide receiver core. So there's just so many different ways that an under can hit throughout the course of a game, um, whereas overs, you know, it, it, it's just tougher to get there um, based on, you know, all the different things that can happen. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's folks have a hard time pricing in injuries, uh, injury risk in a game blowouts like just because a line is three or six doesn't mean the game's not going to blow out and turn into something really unexpected rotation isn't as everyone assumed and that goes for uh players that everybody assumes is going to play every snap well that's factored into the line obviously but then what happens when they start rotating a little bit more than we thought then it creates situations where all the unders are good too but yeah it was up to me personally you'd only bet unders but thankfully we have leone and Mark overs, and other people baby. in there <laughs> that love to take the overs. And, and actually, I, you know, all joking aside, I joke a lot about it, but if they're going to start adjusting lines really far down because they know that people like us are betting all unders, then we're just going to have to take overs. And I think it's really good to keep them honest and let them know that we are willing to take some overs as well if they adjust too far. So I don't know. Do you want to get anything in here? Uh, overs boy, Leone. It's so funny. Everybody in chat like knows if Leone put in a bet <laughs> because it's some like total dust ball over. We took uh, we took Cam Akers over to start the season, and uh, everybody's livid about that. I, I just would note that like we were still profitable on overs, we were more profitable on unders. So we're still only trying to take good overs. There's lots of them out there, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Especially as the books start to adjust. To Mark's point on game script, once in a while, game script can help an over too. It really, I think, comes down to I think we're better than the books at 
projecting the range of outcomes based on the set game script setup for the week or the way the game script has been for players based on previous weeks. And we're just kind of better at viewing that range of outcomes, which oftentimes, you know, it does favor the underside of things. But um, we have tried to do a little bit more, you know, modeling with some of our stuff. And, you know, again, taking that mean projection and turning it into the odds of a player hitting certain statistical benchmarks, which gives us a good idea of, it lets us recognize when the books go too far and we can be a bit more confident taking some of those overs when they do go too far to keep them honest and to just, you know, win on those bets straight up. Yep. Okay. Uh, people who have been doing this for a while uh, understand that the lines move quickly. The market is not as liquid as say NFL sides or totals lines are going to move really, really quickly. The, the bottom line with this is if you win, you're going to move the market like period. And so um, if you bet at certain books, if you bet uh, with an account that they've deemed sharp, the line's going to move. Now we move, certainly are moving the lines when we bet they move fast. They don't move instantly. You know, you probably have five to 15 seconds after we bet something before uh, the line moves. So I just want people to be aware of that. Like if you're winning, if the books fear you, the line is going to move almost immediately, period. Like end of story. That's just is what it is. I will say that we've been experimenting with different stuff in uh, in the chat, in Discord with unofficials. And also like there's so many sharp people in the Discord chat that are sharing information and angles and bets. And there's actually like a lot of good stuff in there too. So I just wanted to put that out there on, on chat um, and Discord. One other thing I wanted to mention, some soft skills, how to manage your money and books. And so, um, you know, I joked like through the uh, uh, kind of market crash in January through, I guess, almost like until a month ago or so, the safest place for your money was just keeping it on sports books and, and betting props. It's like, Adam, what are you doing with all your money on 20 different sports books? Buddy, I was prepared for the market crash <laughs> and it's an easy game. Everybody else is complaining that they're losing their 401k in the stock market. If you have it on the sports books, easy game. So like I, I, I'm obviously joking, but I think if you're going to do this seriously, you have to always get the best line. And the way to be sure you always get the best line is to have money on literally every single book available to you. And, and you know, there's multiple benefits to that. Obviously, you're always getting the best line, but you at least you spread your action out. So hopefully you can keep limits longer. And when you sign up for these books, I mean, the, the battle for customers is so outrageous. If you're using, um, you know, our bonus offers or hopefully somebody's bonus offers, you're getting a ton of money to sign up and you're getting the best line and you're spreading your action out. It's just, it, it, to me, like if you're gonna do it seriously, you have to have money on, on every book possible. I know Mark's here in Colorado with me. We have access to an insane amount of books. Not every state is as fortunate as us, but yeah, any comments there on how to manage your money across all the books? Definitely. I, I think it's crucial. Um, you know, it, line shopping is really important for betting sides and totals, but I mean, it's like 10 times as important in props, in my opinion, just because of the sheer volume we're putting out per week. You know, if we get 20 to 25 bets here in week one and you have, you know, a big change or juice change of, let's say, plus 100 versus on one book versus minus 120 on the other, you know, and, and that's very like prices different or differ on books a lot more on props than they do on sides and totals. You can easily find a line that's either 30 cents, you know, better on one book or even, you know, the yards are more in your favor. Um, and so when you're stacking that on top of 20, 25 bets a week, I mean, it adds up to hundreds of dollars that you're just, you know, getting in free money and, and free EV by line shopping and, and having money available on different books. So 
yeah, I mean, myself personally, I, you know, actively have kind of like eight to 10 books going at a time, just actually signed up for a new one last night that, uh, that just launched in Colorado and, and offers props. So hoping that helps a little bit this year, but it's just so crucial. And, and, you know, you're just kind of getting free EV and, um, there's a lot of times that, you know, one, one book is just off market by a few yards and that's pretty much the only place that, that we would bet it. So if you don't have money on that book, then you're, you're kind of just removing yourself from the conversation immediately. So it, it's just so crucial. And, um, yeah, I highly recommend to anyone to sign up for, for at least three to four, if not more books. Yeah. And if you go to the betting cab on our site, we do have a link to all of these sports book offers. It's really outrageous. Like this is not going to last. I mean, c- companies cannot afford to keep paying these outrageous amounts to new players. And so, um, yeah, we're in a golden era to be uh, a customer. I'll say this, Leone, I am more comfortable with the style of we're betting really big edges and we're going to have less bets, but we're going to have a, a really, really, really high win rate. Now that might not lead to the most raw dollars. In other words, would you rather go eight and two or 160? Obviously eight and two has a way better win rate, but you're going to win more raw dollars going 160 or something like that. Um, I, we are this year, even though it makes me uncomfortable and I can barely sleep, we are going this year a model which we're going to go for more volume and lower win rate. I mentioned earlier last year, we were almost at 65% win rate. Uh, if I was a professional better uh, doing this for my only income, I would say that's way too high. We need to bet way more games. We need to bet way thinner stuff and get down to 55, 56, 57% because we'll win more raw dollars. I-, I hope that makes sense. And so this year we're trying to treat it as if we are professional and not just picking off 10 to 20 of the worst lines, we're going to have way more volume and it's going to result in a lower win rate. So obviously it makes me uncomfortable to bet thinner stuff. I do think that it's right if people understand in the long run that more volume should equal more raw dollars, even if your win rate goes down. So I don't know if I explained that well, Leone, but I know you're on team blast, the opposite of me. So go ahead. I'm on team blast, but to your point, if we are expecting a lower win rate than we did last season, you need to be more price sensitive. You know, last year there was a lot of room for we would put out a prop that the line would move and people would just take it at almost any price. And we were hitting at such a high rate that those people were profitable no matter what. Whereas this year, if we're knowingly taking more bets and it becomes a little bit thinner, you need to be more price sensitive. We put out a Cooper Cup under seven and a half catches at plus 115 on DraftKings. And if you use, you know, a site like Unabated has an odds calculator where you type in plus 115, you see what the implied probability is. Well, plus 115 is like 46 and a half percent implied probability. So for us to win that bet, we need Cooper Cup to go under, you know, 47% of the time. And we feel pretty confident in that he's going to be under at least 47% of the time. Someone in Discord, you know, takes it at minus 122 and the implied probability there is like 55%. So like, that's a huge switch. Like that's nine points of probability that you just shifted. You went from needing him to be under 47% of the time to needing him to be under 56% of the time. That changes the dynamic of the bet a ton. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. We try to in the discord, give some added context when it's relevant, but it can be hard and we don't want to come off as having a false sense of precision at times, but it's really important. And then the other example I would give is 
sometimes we'll have stuff that's conflicting. It seems conflicting, at least on the outset, but that's because we're trying to find the best line, the best number on the person to understand the range of outcomes. We're not going to say, you know, Cam Akers is amazing. He's going to smash just because we took over 53 and a half rush receiving yards. You know, if his carries number creeps up too high, we might take the under on the carries, even though we took the over on that. And I think people have a really tough time with that concept where they think that we're taking a stance for or against a player based on what we release. And that's really not what we're doing. We're taking a stance based on where the prop line is at. There's always going to be a set, you know, a line set at a point which the under is good, a big middle area in which neither side is good based on the juice. And then another smaller area where the over becomes good. So there's always going to be a number where we could take any side of a bet. Yeah. And I want to be very clear. Props is not fantasy. Like, I don't like Cam Akers this year. We still took the over. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I don't like Cam Akers particularly in this game even. We still took the over because it's just a price number and it's a distribution bet. It's not about what we think about the guy in fantasy. I want to be really, really clear about that. Um, oh, last thing I want to mention is this, this whole betting openers controversy. So we're trying to bet openers. In other words, we're trying to bet the lines before they move. Right when they first come out, they're going to be the softest. Then they'll get kicked into place and molded into place by efficiency by people betting. People are out there are going to bitch and say, why are you guys betting openers? You're, you're ruining the market. Uh, the, the markets aren't liquid enough. These people are just self-serving because they want to bet them for themselves or be able to bet later uh, for themselves. The truth of the matter is that the line is going to move anyways. And so if we're not betting openers, they're going to move and we're not going to have uh, any or many bets left. So to me, it's just kind of a uh, a moot conversation and everybody's just looking out for themselves, which I, I totally understand, but um, yeah, we're going to keep betting openers and, and it just um, is what it is. Um, okay. Anything else we didn't touch on here? You guys want to mention? I'd say with the openers, sometimes too, we're going to try and be smart about where we think the line is going to go from when it opens, if it's going to go to more books when it opens and just, Basically, what we're our goal is to give our customers the best chances to get the most amount of lines at the best numbers possible. So sometimes an opener comes in, like there was a David Montgomery line under that we took, and it was very clear to us, like this line is not going to last. We need to take this right away. And we took it. Um, sometimes there was stuff like the Cooper Cup under that we took. We waited a little bit. It was on FanDuel for a while. We waited until DraftKings got the, the number up to where it was because we sort of foresaw that people are going to blast the over on a primetime game on a big player like Cooper Cup, and we knew we could wait. So we're going to try and be as smart about it as possible. Okay. That is going to do it for this discussion on my favorite market, NFL player props. If you're interested, as I said, you do need to get into the Telegram, and so please read the FAQ really, really closely before you sign up. Also, in-season package, monthly and weekly is now live as well as the full season. Check that out on the subscribe page as well. Showdown projections and breakdown are already up. We'll have our week one main slate projections up Wednesday night. For Leone, for Mark, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.